Hey everyone, welcome to the New City Church Podcast, and welcome today to episode number seven of Ask Pastor Joel. Each week we take questions concerning the previous week's sermon from New City Church, or even just a burning biblical question that's weighing on someone's heart. And today, I actually don't have Pastor Joel with me. I have <laughs> another one of our elders here at New City, Pastor John Andrade. Hey, John, how's it going today? I'm great. I hope people aren't disappointed to hear my voice instead of Joel's. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I well, I am not, um, and I'm and I'm sure they won't either. Uh, John is a is an amazing, amazing guy. I'm blessed to to know him, have him as a brother, and have him as one of the pastors of, of New City Church. And I hope uh, our listeners will be blessed to hear uh, today too. So, John, our question today comes from Katie, and her question is, what verses would you use to witness to a Jehovah's Witness? I'm so glad to get this question, and I'll just say quickly first, I, um, <clears throat> I have a lot of history with them, um, as many people have surely experienced, especially new Christians. I am convinced that the enemy um, sends wolves in sheep's clothing to deceive believers, especially ones that aren't deeply grounded in the faith. And so as a brand new believer myself, when I was saved for about a year, um, I heard a knock at the door um, and uh, very stereotypical, but it's how it happens. The witnesses were at my door uh, and I was so young, I didn't know really what was up from down. Um, and anybody that named the name of Jesus to me was, seemed like a friend. Um, but we let let them in, and next thing you know, I was brought through a loop where I uh, was all but baptized. I was attending Kingdom Halls, um, going to my church on Sunday, but short right after going to the Kingdom Hall for um, fellowship with them, I uh, was convinced that they were right um, and became very close to being baptized, even myself. But the Lord had a lot of mercy on me and preserved me and kept me, and so for that I'm very, very grateful. Um, and I have a lot of love for witnesses. If you meet them, they're some of the most kind people that you'll meet. Um, and so uh, this isn't meant to smash on them. However, we do also want to uh, deal faithfully with the scriptures, and just because somebody is kind and we like them doesn't mean we want to just affirm uh, error that they hold to. And so as far as verses, um, as, as somebody who is a, a pastor now and uh, a minister of the gospel, I've had the opportunity to, to talk with witnesses um, since coming out of them myself, and it has been a tremendous blessing um, to be able to try to share with them some things that the Lord has taught me uh, through his scriptures. And so the first place I do like to take people is um, with... Uh, when I'm talking with the witnesses is Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10. And so I'll just try to outline a couple of the major differences that the witnesses hold to. Um, and some of the biggest things that come up is that they do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They don't believe that Jesus is God. They believe that Jesus is Jehovah God's very first creation through whom everything else was created. Um, but he, Jesus Christ is not an eternal being. In fact, in their view, he is Michael the archangel. He is God's first uh, and greatest creation, but he is not eternal himself and he is not God and only uh, Jehovah is worthy of worship. Another one um, that they would put forth is that the Holy Spirit is um, uh, an impersonal force. Uh, 
the they wouldn't refer to him as a he or a him. Instead, they would refer to the Holy Spirit as an inactive uh, or uh, impersonal but very active force, similar to electricity. Um, and so these are a couple of the big things. Um, we can get into the false prophecies of them and all of that, but I think when, when we're talking to them, we want to just stick to really the most crucial things, the nature of God, who is God, how has God revealed himself in the scriptures. And so that's where I like to stick with. Um, and so these are some of the most important, but also most effective tools in, in ministering to the so-called Jehovah's Witnesses. So like I said, I take them to um, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10. And this is a great place to start because they will be in hearty agreement. This is actually one that is in their uh, toolbox to use against you um, in declaring that you should not worship Jesus, that Jesus is not God. And they say many Christians worship Jesus uh, because he's God, but he is not God. And they will bring you to this passage. So it's nice when we can use a text that they are actually going to agree with us on. The text says this. This is when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. Uh, Then Jesus says to Satan, who uh, demands that Jesus worship him, verse 9, Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so something I bring up to the witness, and they will nod their head in agreement here, is only God should be worshipped. You can never worship anybody else. Only God can be worshipped. And if anybody else is worshipped who is not God, they should be rebuked and immediately corrected because what they are doing is inaccurate and improper because only God deserves worship. And this is what Jesus says here. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so the Greek word here for worship is proskuneo. And if you're writing things down, it's um, P-R-O-S-K-O. U-N-E-O, proskuneo, P-R-O-S-K-U-N-E-O, and it just simply means worship, Um, and so I emphasize to the witness, look, only God is worthy of worship, and so therefore we would be in agreement. Then I take them to a couple of examples of this in scripture, and you see the same thing played out in Revelation chapter 19. In verse 10, um, John the Revelator, he goes and he worships uh, an angel. It says this in verse 10, um... Let's see, I'll start in verse 9 here. It says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then verse 10, Then I fell at his feet to worship him. The Greek word again is proskuneo, same word there. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And so here, even a great and mighty and glorious angel who was so magnificent that even John the apostle would want to feel tempted to bow down and worship him. He is immediately corrected by this angel. Don't worship me, only worship God. Only proskuneo God. He is the only one who is worthy of worship. We also see Cornelius proskuneo worshiping Peter, the apostle, and Peter had to rebuke him in Acts chapter 10 and say, don't worship me. I'm just a man just like you. And so after we establish that point with the witnesses, and again, up to this point, they're going to be in hearty agreement. We'll say, only God is worthy of worship. If anybody else is worshiped, no matter who they are, if they're not God, we should immediately correct them or rebuke them. So then I like to take them to several scriptures where Jesus is worshiped. And just for the listener's sake of time, I won't go to all of these. I'll just reference them in passing. But Matthew chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, even when Jesus is an infant, he is worshiped by the Magi. Matthew chapter... um, Let's see here, 28, verse 17, uh, the risen Lord Jesus, right before he gives them the command, uh, the great commission to go into all nations, baptizing, teaching, um, 
he said, uh, it says the disciples worshipped him in Matthew chapter 28, verse 17. Again, this is proskuneo worship, something that we're only allowed to give to God Almighty himself. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 33, after calming the wind and the waves, all of the disciples, they bow down in proskuneo, they worship him. John chapter 9 and verse 38, the blind man, after being given sight and regaining sight the first time he lays eyes on Jesus, he worships him. That's John chapter 9 and verse 38. Uh, We also see this in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, that it's not just human beings worshiping Jesus, but it says all the angels of heaven worship Jesus. Jesus is worshiped by all of creation in Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, in Revelation chapter 5, along with the Father. All creation glorifies God Almighty and gives him worship. And so I like to ask the witnesses at this point, If proskuneo worship is only allowed to be given to God, and we see countless times in Scripture when Jesus himself is worshipped, what would be the right response of Jesus if he were not God? Well, he would have to rebuke them or correct them and say, don't do that. Don't worship me, only worship God. But Jesus never once does that. He always, always, always receives their worship, their proskuneo worship. Um, In the New World Translation, uh, the so-called Jehovah's Witness Bible, um, they make corrections uh, or things that they would call corrections, but we would say um, deliberate ways to try to hide the deity of Jesus. But they say uh, in theirs, it says, they, all the angels do obeisance to him. And every time worship is used of Jesus, they try to change it to do obeisance uh, to him, which basically just means to show him reverence. However, proskuneo doesn't mean that. And every other time that it's used in the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, um, in particular places, it's used as worship. And so we want to hold the witnesses accountable to the scriptures to not just change the meanings of words. Um, And we could elaborate more on that, but I want to just take you to a couple passages where Jesus is explicitly called God. Um, And in the, again, in the New World Translation, um, some of these are going to read a little bit differently, but here is one where it won't read differently at all in the New World Translation of the scriptures in John chapter 20 and verse 28. We know the story where Thomas is doubting. He says, I won't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead unless I can see the holes in his hands and place my hand into the hole in his side. But then we see Jesus um, after eight days, verse 26, his disciples were inside and Thomas with them. Jesus is coming and the doors having been shut and stood in their midst. Can you imagine the risen Lord Jesus Christ? And he says, peace with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Then verse 28, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Now, even in the New World Translation, this is not edited and corrupted, but it's just left as it is. And so this is a great place to take a witness to and say, even in your translation, It hasn't been corrupted yet. God has preserved, even in your translation, a man declaring that Jesus is his Lord and God. Would you be willing to say that today, Mr. or Mrs. so-called Jehovah's Witness? Would you be willing to say Jesus is your Lord and your God? Um, this is a clear teaching of scripture. Second Peter chapter one, verse one, um, it calls Jesus our savior and our God and our savior. Titus chapter two and verse 13, uh, calls Jesus our God and our savior. Um, not pulling any punches, not holding back, just declaring that Jesus is God. We also see this in John chapter one and verse one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is not the father. And so when we're saying Jesus is God, we're not saying he is the father. We're just saying that he is what scripture declares him to be. 
Um, a good example of this is um, because a lot of people have problems. They say, and I talked to a witness actually the other day. He said, he's the son of God. He can't be God. And I say, well, you just need to submit to all of what scripture says about Jesus. If scripture says he's priest, he's king, he's son of God, he's God, he's our advocate. I need to accept all of those things. And I can't just pick and choose which ones I want to believe and which ones I want to reject. Just because something may not make sense to me doesn't give me the right or the authority to say, well, scripture must be wrong here. And a good example is this is when uh, God is referred to as the Alpha and the Omega. And I like to ask people, well, which is he, the Alpha or the Omega? Because he can't be both. And most people don't have a problem saying, no, he's both. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That's a good example of how we should understand scripture all the time is simply sit underneath it and allow it to speak. And if, Je if Jesus is referred to as God, the Son of God, eternal, without beginning or end, um, if he is referred to as the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, uh, our high, great high priest, a prophet, a king, then I want all of what scripture teaches Jesus to be. And so just because I might have difficulty in understanding why, how Jesus can be the Son of God and God at the same exact time, that's not for me to sit over scripture and say, well, I must rule out all of the scriptures that point to Jesus' deity. I actually just have to sit and submit underneath scripture and say, I will allow scripture to inform my view of who Jesus is and I want every single bit of it. And I want to just give you one other quick piece of information that I believe can be really, really, really helpful. Um, the New Testament writers, every single time that they're quoting passages about Jesus, um, they often use reference to the Old Testament name of God, Yahweh, or as the witnesses like to say, Jehovah. Um, either or you can say, but I prefer Yahweh. Um, but when they are quoting scriptures about Jesus, they feel free and they don't feel restrained in saying, well, this passage is about Yahweh, but we're going to apply it right now in our writings about Jesus. And one such passage is in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 10. And it says this, it says, about, about the Son, it says, you Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will never perish, but you remain, and they will all become old like a garment, and like a mantle you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. And again, if you read this in context, the writer of Hebrews is saying, this is what the scriptures say about Jesus. Now, if you find the original Old Testament quote, that's Psalm chapter 102, verse 24 and following. And if you look at that verse, it's talking directly and definitively about Yahweh God. And so I like to ask the witnesses in Psalm 102, who is it referring to there? Well, that's referring to Jehovah God. Well, why is the New Testament writer, the writer of Hebrews, applying this passage and calling this passage as speaking about Jesus Christ? Um, this is one of several Old Testament passages that apply directly in Old Testament application of Yahweh God directly and definitively and without any apology about the Son, Jesus Christ. Another thing that we see this is in is Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10, um, where every single knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if you look at the original Old Testament citation in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 23, that's again talking about... Yahweh God himself. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Yahweh is God. 
Again, the Apostle Paul has no apologies in saying, well, I'm going to apply that directly right now before everybody and say this is in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. So those are a couple of things, and we could go on and on about a lot of other particulars, but I like to stick to um, an, an idea or a concept that they really want to um, bring up to you, which is they want to attack Jesus Christ and call him something less than God. And so if that's where they want to go, I think I'm willing to go there as well, because to me, that's the most important difference that the witnesses have with uh, us as Christians as we hold to the deity of Jesus Christ. And so um, being that is such an important focus of, of topic um, and uh, amongst all of our differences, I think that's one that we should really aspire toward understanding so that we can share faithfully the gospel with witnesses to say that it was not an angel who was sent to die on the cross for our sins, but instead God, the creator himself coming in the form of a man, taking on human flesh and doing what nothing in his creation could have accomplished. Only God could have accomplished everything that Jesus Christ accomplished. Fully God, fully man. The perfect mediator between God and man would not be an angel, but instead a God-man. Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% human. And for this, we praise him, um, our great mediator, Glory to God, and I just hope that this is helpful, um, and I'm definitely willing for any follow-ups if anybody wants to pull me aside at church and talk more. would love to talk with you. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Yeah, I always appreciate uh, questions being answered about uh, you know, these specific cults. I, I actually, just a couple, uh, like a month ago, I had a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses come, come to my door. Um, I wasn't able to like get real deep with them, but yeah, it's, it's always nice to know, like to have those key arguments or verses to like, you know, bring up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- yeah thanks, amen. For, thanks for addressing that, John. That's amen. Awesome. Praise God. Yeah. So Katie, we hope that was, uh, that was helpful to you. Um, so if you have a Jehovah's witness in, in your life that, um, you know, the reason you asked the question, which I'm, I'm guessing you do. Um, so hopefully you'll be able to use some of these verses and, and arguments uh, to defend against that and to, you know, share, share the gospel with them that, you know, the true gospel. So, so if you have a question um, when listening to this, we would love to hear from you. So you can text us your question to 207-790-1955, and we will answer your questions in future episodes. And we hope you were blessed by today's episode uh, with our special guest. Um, and if you were, we would love for you to continue to check out episodes like these. And so to stay connected with us, make sure you, at the top of the page, hit the follow or subscribe button. And also make sure to give us a review as it does help us out a lot with getting our Christ-centered content out on these platforms. So that's all we have for today, but we hope you have a blessed day. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the New City Church podcast. For more content from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at www.bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next episode.